Morning. This first reading is from Isaiah 7, 10 through 16, which is number 559 in your pew Bibles. So let's see, let me make sure I don't lose my place here. All right. Again, the Lord spoke to, uh, to Ahaz, ask, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz, Ahaz, Ahaz I don't know, how do, you, how do you say it? Ahaz. But Ahaz said, I will not speak, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, hear now your house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be, eat, he will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the Lord, two kings, you dread be, the laid, be laid waste. The second reading is from Matthew 1, 18 through 25 which is page uh, 783 in your pew Bibles. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came to gather, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had no mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had con- considered this, an angel, sa- an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus woke up, he did, he did what the angel of the when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not con, he did not cons, consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of God. Thank you, Ray. Let's pray. Lord, um, I pray that you'd speak to each and every person in this church today and and those watching online, um, that you would custom fit uh, your word into their life and give us all the faith to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you know I've been renovating the downstairs bathroom at our house, and whenever I do a project, um, it always takes me about 30% longer than it should because I'm a little absent-minded. So um, sometimes I get into this zone where I literally can't see something that is right in front of me. So I'll have a piece ready to install and I'll reach for my drill and I won't find it. So I'll have to get down and go hunting for it. Five minutes later, I'm back and it was sitting right there the whole time. Yep, always happens. But sometimes not being able to see or accept 
what is right in front of us is much more serious. Um, I think of like the struggling student who has all the social and educational supports available but continues to just self-sabotage and spiral downward. Or the person who would rather go hungry than go to the food shelf. Or the elderly person who loses hope and stops eating the food that is offered to him. Or the addict who is given chance after chance to get clean or go to rehab or have help and they refuse every time. There is this thing in human nature that sometimes, I don't know what it is, pride or fear of losing control or something that causes us to reject help that is right in front of us. Today we're going to look at someone in the Bible who did just that. His name was King Ahaz. And he was unwilling or unable to accept the truth that God was with him. This story um, is not very familiar to us, but it's actually the background of the passage that was read in Matthew, the famous passage about Mary the Virgin conceiving and his, Jesus' name being Emmanuel, which means God is with us. But if you go to the original story in, in Isaiah, we find a faithless king, a nation in crisis, and a fiery prophet with a somewhat puzzling message. So let's go there. I think this will help us appreciate what it means that God is with us. Please open your Bible, if you don't have it already, to Isaiah chapter 7. That's on page 558 of the Brown Pew Bibles. The year was 734 B.C. And um, King Ahaz of Judah was facing a personal crisis and a national crisis. Uh, you see, there was this nation to the east called Assyria. They were the superpower of the day. Um, they had been on a westward campaign into Palestine and beyond to conquer all these smaller states and absorb them into their empire. They had the biggest army, the most sophisticated uh, weapons, um, and they were notorious for their brutality. The Assyrians were a fearsome bunch that did unmentionable things to the people they conquered. That was part of their strategy to cause fear. Well, so the northern kingdom of Israel, remember they were split, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, where Jerusalem was. The northern kingdom of Israel had entered into an alliance with a neighboring nation, um, Syria, to join forces to try to repel the Assyrian threat. And now those two nations were pressuring Judah to join them. Um, but Judah did not want to join them. King Ahab ref Ahaz refused to enter that alliance. And so now Israel and Syria were mounting a joint attack on Judah to try to um, remove King Ahaz and install one of their guys who would be sympathetic to the alliance. You can read about that in 2 Kings 16 and 2 Chronicles 28. 
This is the background. But let's pick up here in Isaiah in verse 2. <clears throat> the house of David, which is Judah, was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. Ephraim is Israel. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest were shaken, are shaken by the wind. When Ahaz and his officials hear about this alliance against them, they panic. Um, this is like a clear and present danger for them. So he has a choice. Is he going to enter this dubious alliance with his, his local enemies and possibly lose the throne to Assyria? Or is he going to um, refuse the alliance and risk losing his throne to Israel and Syria? But God has a message for Ahaz in the middle of that crisis. Let's read in verse 3. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the edge of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. King Ahaz is out inspecting the city's water supply to probably try to shore it up for the coming invasion. And here is the message that God has for him through Isaiah. Verse 4. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of reason and Aram and of the son of Ramalia. The, 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 he's talking about these other nations. He's saying, don't be afraid of those kings. They are like burned out sticks of firewood. They're not going to cause any harm. Let's continue in verse 5. Aram, Ephraim, and Ramalia's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabil king over it. Some guy that was sympathetic to them. Yet, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only reason. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. If you, stand, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Now, don't let all those names confuse you. What he's saying is Syria and Israel, these two nations who are trying to invade you, they just have these frail human beings as leaders, right? And within 65 years, they'll be, they'll be decimated anyway. But I am the sovereign Lord. I am the sovereign Lord. God is inviting Ahaz to trust him. He's saying, I am the true king. My power is limitless. These other nations you're so worried about, they just have human kings, and a date has been set for their demise. So don't worry about them. Trust me. You know, it's amazing to me that God would give Ahaz this personal invitation to trust him. Do you know why? Because Ahaz was a seriously bad dude. 
if there was like a hall of shame of Israel and Judah's worst kings, he might take first place. He, you can read all about him in 2 in Kings. He, uh, he set up shrines to other gods around his land, um, including a god called Moloch, who demanded human sacrifice. And so Ahaz sacrificed some of his own children to this pagan god. If that wasn't bad enough, he, he uh, stripped the precious metals out of the temple to use for his own purposes. He set up kind of a parallel fake religion of his own. Um, and yet here is God inviting him, this guy inviting him to trust and saying, you can trust me. This was not just a political crisis for Ahaz. This was a crisis of faith. If, he, if God is trustworthy, um, he, God is saying, will you believe in me? Will you believe that I'm trustworthy? Ahaz has a choice to trust God or to try to remain in control and work things out with his own cunning Right? Or surrender to the Lord. Now here is where Ray started reading in verse 10. And this is where God like, gives him this slow pitch down the middle. Gives him a golden opportunity to have faith. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign. That doesn't happen very often. God doesn't ask that very often. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest of heights. Ask me to do anything you want, Ahaz, to prove that I am capable and trustworthy. Ask me anything. Ask me for the moon. How does Ahaz respond? Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord my God to the test. <laughs> that sounds like a very pious answer. He's even quoting scripture here. But he really, he doesn't want to trust God. It may sound like he's being, um, you know, pious and good here, but he's just, this is a smokescreen for his true intentions, which are elsewhere. He does not want to trust God. He does not want to have faith. In fact, he has probably already made up his mind to carry out a different plan, which I will explain to you in a minute. But this speaks to our experience, does it not? Uh, in a world where uh, there are real dangers and threats and crises flare up in our lives, those are opportunities to trust God. The real danger, the real crisis is not the cancer or the job or the loved one or the money or the nation or the kids. The real crisis is our faith. Will we trust God or not? And sometimes, I hate to say it, we don't want to trust God. Why? Perhaps because we would lose control. Because trusting God comes with surrendering ourselves to him and letting him take the lead. 
Why are we reluctant? I don't know. Why is prayer usually our last resort instead of our first line of defense? Um, I know that in my own life, when a threat flares up, my default setting is to worry and to try to figure it out rather than to trust and be still. But let me tell you, if there's one thing that's clear in Scripture, nothing can truly harm us when the Lord is in control. Nothing can harm us if He is our ally, if He is present in our lives, and that is exactly what He's offering to Ahaz and to us. Well, when Ahaz refuses to ask for a sign, here's what God says. Verses 13 through 17. Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. God's going to choose the sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. Now, put on your, your Bible study hats for a minute, because um, there's a few things we have to untangle here. Um, it may surprise you to learn that this is one of the most disputed passages in the Bible. Um, the disagreement involves the translation of this word for virgin. Um, the Hebrew word Alma can mean a virgin, but it most often means simply a young woman of marrying age. So as many scholars see it, um, this sign for Ahaz was not so much a miraculous birth, but a young woman who Ahaz knew who would have a, a son and name him Emmanuel. And by the time this son was of the age of accountability, let's say 12, the threats to his nation would be gone. That was the sign for Ahaz. Um, and uh, w that indeed happened. Within 12 years, Syria and Israel were no longer threats. But there's more. It says he would be eating curds and honey. Why is that significant? Well, the normal diet would be things like bread and grapes and barley, but those aren't available because invading armies have wiped them out, have destroyed the crops. So now as this boy grows up in a desolate land, he's eating curds and honey. Calamity was coming for Judah too. And indeed, in verse 17, Isaiah announces that with awful finality. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. This is kind of like the ghost of Christmas yet to come, showing Scrooge his own grave, you know. Except in this case, Ahaz doesn't wake up as a changed man. This, he doesn't have another chance after this. Um, 
So Ahaz has refused to trust God, and the sign, which is a boy named God is with us, is a living reminder that God was with Judah to save. He was with Ahaz to save, but he was refused. Ahaz turned away. It's as if God was saying, Ahaz, I am right here. I'm ready to show you my power to save you. If only you had believed and decided to trust me, but you did not. Remember how I said Ahaz had another plan in the works. Well, this is described in 2 Kings 16, verses 7 through 9. Listen. Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria. Right, that big evil enemy he was afraid of. He sent messengers that said, I am your servant and vassal. Come up and save me out of the hand of, king, of the king of Aram and the king of Israel who are attacking me. And Ahaz took the silver and gold found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace and sent it as a gift to the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria complied by attacking Damascus and capturing it. He deported its inhabitants to Kir and put reason to death. Reason the king of Aram. You see, Ahaz made a deal with the devil. And it worked out in his favor for a short time. Um, He sucked up right to the king of Assyria for protection. But in doing so, he sealed his own doom. Uh, Someone else put it this way. Ahaz was like a mouse attacked by two rats who squeaked for the cat to come save him. The cat did take care of the rats, but then guess what happened to the mouse, right? From this point forward in Judah's history, they were under the thumb of the Assyrian Empire until they were finally conquered and destroyed a century later by Assyria's successor, Babylon. That is, all of that is the weird and interesting and stark background to this prophecy of Jesus being God with us. And you see, seven centuries later, these words of Isaiah were fulfilled in a completely surprising way, in a way that no one really expected. Because as Matthew tells us, it, it's kind of like everything that happened in, a, in uh, Isaiah 7 happens in a bigger scale with Jesus. So Matthew tells us an actual virgin not just a young woman, but an actual virgin named Mary conceived miraculously by the power of the Holy Spirit and bore a son, the son who was, by the way, the great, 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 great grandson of King Ahaz, the true heir to the throne. And an angel told Mary's fiancé, Joseph, to name the baby Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. We're not talking about militaries or political enemies, we're talking about these gigantic, towering enemies of sin and death. That is what Emmanuel will save us from. And then Matthew writes this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, 
the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Unlike the boy named Emmanuel in Ahaz's day, Jesus really was God with us, God in the flesh. It wasn't a metaphor. Um, And it had to be so, for only God in human flesh could take on the enemies that we face as human beings, which are sin and death. Jesus did something about those enemies. He saved us from them. He does what no one else can do. He steps into the middle of the gritty reality of our lives, of our sin, of the doom of death that faces us, of our crises and fears, and right here and right now he is with us to offer his saving help that's what christmas is about he is here he's with us offering you his limitless dependability his saving power and his grace there is no situation you can possibly face in which he is not present to help you and to save you. The question is, will we be humble enough to accept him? Right? King Ahaz couldn't. He didn't want to lose control. He didn't want to uh, be seen as weak. He didn't want to hand his life over to God. But after all God has done in sending Jesus to be Emmanuel how can we not how can we not reach out and, and receive him? The name Emmanuel, God with us, served as a a reminder to faithless Ahaz of a missed opportunity, but by God's grace it will be different for us. If you can believe that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, how will you respond? How will you respond right now, today, this week, to Jesus being with you? That's faith. Is it having the faith to invite people into your home uh, to share what you have? Is it faith to trust Jesus with a loved one that you're worried about? Is it to have faith in Jesus for a problem that you haven't been able to fix or solve or figure out? Or is it simply to entrust yourself to Jesus in faith that he will forgive you and save you? And maybe for some of you, that today can be the first time you do that. To say, Jesus, I yield to you. I am aware of your presence and I accept your saving help. Let every heart prepare him room. Amen. Let's pray. Lord,